Anyone here cricket fan here? Few? No, <laughs> all right. Don't worry, Australia is not doing that great, so it's not, don't even worry about becoming a fan right now. Anyways, I am originally from India, actually. You know, if you've not heard about India, when you go back home, Google the best cricket-playing country in the world. And you would know all that you need to know about India. Now, I, I'm, I'm here uh, representing Compassion. Uh, I've worked with Compassion in the UK for four, five years. Uh, but I'm here to tell you a story of a girl. Uh, this evening, I want to tell you a story of a girl called Shamina. Uh, now, I know her. I've, uh, I've seen her, visited her. Uh, she was born in a village in, Cal um, in India. Uh, now, I don't know how many of you have been to a slum or been to an environment where there was abject poverty, uh, but Shamina was born in a village with abject poverty. Uh, so a village where uh, there was no school, no medical center, no work, no electricity. Uh, so opportunities for families and kids were very limited. So I've got, I can see some of our young friends are here. In that village, if you were born there, and if you were six or seven year old and you were a boy, you would go out with your father to the farm and to the quarry to work and earn money for food. If you're a girl, six or seven year old, you start cooking with your mom. Learn how to cook because as soon as you become 12, 13, 14, you get married. Anyone here around 14, 15 years of age? Yeah? You, ma'am? Do you want to get married? No? You have a boyfriend? No? You want one? Oh. <laughs> Bad news. Men. <sighs> but Shamina was born in a village with abject poverty, with no hope. One day she was playing with her friends. She was 14 years old, and her parents came and told her that she was getting married. So she got married at the age of 14, not because she wanted to, but because there was no other choice. She was a mother of a child before she was 15. She was mother of two children before she was 18. So Shamina was looking after two kids even before she was an adult herself. So would you like to meet Shamina? Yeah? Well, she's not here with me. <laughs> but I do have a video where you can hear straight from her. So we can make use of technology, can't we? <laughs> so if we look at the screen, uh, Bro, that's. Can you play it? We're going to hear Shamina. While I was playing with my friends, I learned I was getting married. I didn't know the man, I had never met him. Suddenly, I was married and I moved from my remote village to the city of Kolkata with my new husband. Almost a year passed by and then suddenly I found out I had a child inside me. We didn't have any money and I didn't understand what it meant to be pregnant. When my son was born, we lived in a slum. We had a small house with no electricity. My husband had no job and we had no money at all. Every parent wants to give good things to their child. But we couldn't even dream about that because we had nothing. We couldn't provide properly for our son when he was born.
We watched other children going to school in their smart uniforms, and we dreamed that one day that would be our boy. We hoped that our son would become educated and make a difference, but we knew we could not make this happen for him ourselves. When we heard that our son had got into the project and had a sponsor, we knew that someone would help him with food, clothes, education, everything. It took a huge burden off our shoulders. Jane was able to help his sister with her education and the gifts and supplies received helped meet the needs of the whole family. I'm so very happy. With the support of compassion, this boy from the slums has been able to get a master's degree from Manchester University. There are many children in Kolkata, but then my son, with his background, has achieved so much. Makes me so proud to be his mother. So this lady I was telling you about, 15-year-old Shamina, she is my mother. She's not 15-year-olds anymore. Uh, I was born to a young Shamina in a refugee slum in Calcutta. You can see in the video when I graduated, she came here. I can understand it's hard to relate uh, me over there and here. I've had too many cheesecakes since then. <laughs> But I was born in a refugee slum in Calcutta, uh, a slum that came out of the partition of India, uh, which led to a lot of civil rights. People lost homes, they fled. Some fled to Bangladesh, some all over the place. Uh, but that slum came out of that. Uh, was, there was about 10,000 people who lived there, and there was two toilets and one tap for the entire community. Can you imagine that? That's the reality of life for a lot of people around the world. I've been traveling around Australia and uh, lovely people have put me up and have stayed in their home. Usually we have two toilets in our house here. I wake up in the morning, I can't decide which one I want to go to. <laughs> <laughs> but two toilets for the entire community meant children, men, women, people of all age used open drains and garbage dumping areas as toilet. So when it rained, which it does a lot during the monsoon season in Calcutta, and it gets flooded quite easily, our slum got flooded. So our houses were filled with not just rainwater, but sewage and feces floating around. And it caused diseases like malaria, dengue, diarrhea. It's pretty common there. And people don't just suffer. It's not just a couple of days you fever and then you're fine. People suffer and die because there was no medical help. I grew up losing friends to malaria. I, I, when I was a boy, I watched my father die in our home from malaria. 
and not just challenges in terms of health. There was no real work, so our parents would go out every day in the city looking for work, uh, and often they wouldn't find any, which meant that day my sister and I, we would go to bed hungry. Many times when we had to do that, many times my friend next door, or the one after that. You know, as a child, uh, you don't go to school. We didn't go to school. We woke up and we, our parents would be off looking for work. We'll be praying that they find work. And we'll be roaming around the streets, picking plastics and, and stuff to, to sell and get some money. Uh, but you witness a lot of harsh realities of life during that time. You don't experience childhood the way we know here. You don't play with toys and stuff. You know, you see people starving. You see people suffering. You see people dying. Death is a very real a part of our daily, of our regular life in that environment. And as a child, it makes you feel scared and, and intimidated and, and hopeless, scared because you very easily know that you don't know what your tomorrow holds. It could be you with malaria tomorrow. And hopeless because you don't know that there is anything, well, you know that there is nothing in your power to change your circumstances. That's the worst place to be in where you cannot help yourself. And as a young boy, you know, I felt angry because I felt nobody cared about us and our life didn't have any value. But I was not aware that in the Bible, God says in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you. And he has a plan for each one of us. Whether we come from Calcutta or from my favorite city, Perth, um, <laughs> No matter where we come from, God has a plan for each one of us. And he had a plan for me, my mom, my family, and my community. And as it turns out, his plan was his people. His plan was the body of Christ that represents him. There was a local a church that was set up by some missionaries near our slum. And very quickly, they realized the need that was there, the generation of poverty that existed there. And they came in, spoke to our families, wanted to help people. So they partnered with Compassion and started sponsoring children. And that's how Compassion works. As we heard, it's about, it's, everything is about the gospel and the church and being the church that God wants us to be, that he calls us to be. Love your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Do whatever you can for those least, the poor, and you do it unto me. So Compassion partners with churches like yourself and equips the church in the field to look after their poor, the widow, the orphans. And that's what happened. When I was five years old, a church came out to our slum community and started sponsoring children through Compassion. Hundreds of children got sponsored. I was one of the first one to be sponsored. I don't know why. Maybe I looked really pretty on the photo, but... <laughs> You can ask my sponsor. <laughs> but I was one of the first who got sponsored. So I was one of the first child in a community of 10,000 people to go to school for the first time. It was incredible. It was an incredible celebration in my family because my parents knew things would be different now. I remember my parents getting this well, um, you know, school kit pack that came from the school that I got registered into. It had my uniform. So you put pulled out my shirt, my trousers, then pulled out a rope and was wondering what that is. It was a tie. Have you ever come across a tie? He never saw a tie, so he had to go back to the school and get a tie with a hook because we couldn't tie it. So I wore a tie with a hook for the first few years of my school. 
But it was incredible. One of my fondest memories of my childhood is teaching my father how to write his name. I'm sure it's the other way around here. But that brought dignity. Education brought dignity to our life. Because my father didn't have to put a thumbprint to get his wage, but he could write his name. Education was huge. But if I'm standing here in front of you um, and telling you that as a five-year-old boy, education was the thing I was most excited about in life, I would be lying to you a little bit. <laughs> I wasn't. The thing that I was excited about is that the project, they served hot meals. Now, I've been an avid food lover all my life. Look at me. Yeah. I was excited about the food. I came to Australia, I have discovered pavlova. It's the best invention ever made. Do you agree with me? Different levels of sweetness with the meringue and the fruit. Anyways, I'm not going to get distracted. But hot meals served at the project, a huge burden was off our parents' shoulder. Our nutritious needs were being met. The fact that I'm alive in front of you, when I had malaria and diarrhea and dengue, the fact that a lot of my friends are alive, it's because they were sponsored. They were able to go to the hospital, get medicine that so easily we can access here. But it's life-saving. It's no word of exaggeration that I'm alive in front of you because I was sponsored. So as you saw in the video, I grew up in the project. I eventually went on to go to university. Um, and um, uh, the way compassion works is it takes a child when they start school until they finish school and then helps them to go into college or vocational training. Um, uh, everything that they need to find employment and be able to support their family, their siblings, uh, and their parents. It's not just about feeding the hungry, clothing the naked. It's about teaching them how to fish so they don't go hungry again. That's sustainable change. That's breaking generation of poverty, breaking the cycle. You know, so I went to university because I was a bit of an academic and I wanted to study business. I was interested in how small businesses would create employment in our community. And when I finished, I got an offer from Manchester University. And as you saw, that took me to the UK. Um, and uh, when I was graduating, uh, my, fr my friends uh, organized for my mom to come over and be in Manchester. And it was the first time ever she came out of the community where she've always lived. Uh, um, she, was, uh, she had a huge culture shock. England was so cold, she was wrapped in five layers. I could hardly see her. Uh, <laughs> but, but she was at the, at the graduation, and then I got my certificate, and I gave it to my mom. Because some of us here are parents, uh, some of us here are grandparents. Uh, actually, I won't guess who is a grandparent here. It's a dangerous territory I'm going into. But I gave my certificate to my mom, because no matter where we come from, our parents make sacrifices. So did mine. They had little, but they still sacrificed. The number of times my dad used to pretend he's too full and he would give his portion of food to me and my sister so we don't go to bed hungry. The number of times my mom would give her blanket so we are not cold at night. So I gave, I gave it to her saying, Mom, this is your achievement for never giving up, for always trying, for sacrificing your hopes and dreams so we could live ours. This is your achievement. And she was crying the whole day, you know, and I ran out of tissues by midday and then I was like, chuck it, I can't, I can't do anything anymore. You know, her makeup was all over her face and everything. But she took it and she said, you know, as parents, we have hopes and dreams for our children. And I'm a blessed one that I get to live mine. 
So this is what I want to share, and uh, I want to say thank you to all of you who sponsor children or have supported people in need. You don't, when you sponsor a child through compassion, you're not just helping a child. You're coming alongside some very desperate parents, telling them you're not alone in this journey. I'm going to be with you and change the story for your children. You're helping a whole family. I was, I was educated, so I was able to homeschool my sister. And then I was able to pay my sister, pay for my sister to go to high school. And then she paid herself through university. A generation of poverty broken. You know, my 14 children would never know poverty the way I did. I'm only joking. I don't have 14 children. <laughs> I, I have no children. I only want 11, enough to have my own cricket team. But... <laughs> My wife is sat there, she's saying, I'm ne I never signed up to this. <laughs> now, what I'm saying is a generation of poverty changed. You know, so um, my sponsor, a couple, lovely couple from Ohio, United States, um, lovely, lovely people, they sponsored me. And I've never met them in person, but I know lots about them because they wrote me letters. And the relational side of this sponsorship is the best thing because you're not just giving money to a faceless thing. You get to invest in a life, get to know the people, but you, would, you don't often get to see the impact that relationship creates. You know, for me as a sponsored child, living in poverty, receiving letters that say, Johnny, I love you, I believe in you, give me an impetus that helped me to dream big in life, work hard in life. You know, my parents have never been to school, so going to school was a scary prospect for me. As a sponsor, you have this beautiful opportunity to break down those barriers and fill your child with encouragement, motivation, and impetus to work hard, dream big, and, and trust in God, and get to know God. That's the beauty of the sponsorship, because we serve a relational God. And sponsorship is about building a relationship. So when I told my sponsor uh, that I became a Christian, I don't come from a Christian family. I actually come from a Muslim family. Uh, so if you're a Muslim you might, and become a Christian, you might know the complexities related with that. Uh, I'm not going to go into the details. But for my, a lot of people came to faith in my community. And that's one thing I love about what Compassion does. And the beauty was, it's not that we were, uh, they, people came and preached to us. You know, we were told about Jesus. We were told how God loves us, how he created us. And our parents were intrigued how these Christians were living, how these people from the church were going out of their way to look after our needs. And they asked, us, asked them, why are you doing this? And they said, because this is what our God asks of us. He said, if you want to follow me, you love me with all your heart and you look after the poor, you look after your neighbor. And faith became attractive, captivating. People wanted to know this Jesus. They wanted to know this God who is for the poor, who gave his life so that we could live. He is a God who calls him our father and says we are going to be with you through ups and downs. Faith became real. And many, many people came to know Jesus. And I always say the best thing you can do for a poor is give them the hope that is eternal, which is Jesus. Give them the bread that will never let them go hungry. Give them the living water that will never let them go thirsty again. So receiving Jesus was the best thing that happened to our family. So I want to introduce you to this. Uh, could we go on to the last slide, please? Uh, I want to tell you about this, uh, this picture. You know, when I came out of university, one of the things I was most excited about was I, I was able to sponsor a child. Uh, and this is uh, my first sponsored child. Her name is Shankarit. Uh, she, her, I went to visit her. Her family lives in abandoned drain pipes. 
can you imagine that? I grew up in a house. Let me show you how big it was. It was probably that corner, corner bit. That's the space that was that one room, about six by eight feet in area. That was my home. That one room was our kitchen, our living room, our sleeping room, our bedroom, everything. And I grew up sleeping on the floor with my family. But I went to see, visit Shankarit, and her family lives in abandoned drain pipes, about three feet high, six feet long. I, was, I felt like I had a glamorous childhood. I had a flat surface to sleep on. These kids, they didn't even have that. So it was an absolute delight for me to be able to do that. For me, it was a completion of a cycle. Somebody invested in my life. I'm able to do that for someone else. And that's how you change the world. One life at a time. You know? So it was, it was really exciting. I found out it's $12 a week uh, to sponsor a child, $48 a month, which is about a cup of coffee and a cake each week. So I realized I have to sacrifice a cup of coffee and a cake each week to sponsor Shankarit. Now, if you ask me, I love cake. So that's a lot of sacrifice for me. <laughs> but very soon my wife said, you need to sacrifice more than one cake. <laughs> no, she never said that. Uh, but... We decided to sponsor two children because it wasn't costing us enough. Love demands sacrifice. God loved us and he sacrificed his son. Until it's costing us, I don't think it's biblical love. But it's a delight for me to get to know what's God, what God is doing in their life, for them to have opportunity of education and getting to know Jesus and having that eternal hope in their life. So here's what I want to say, two things. First, I want to say thank you for the generosity that you show as a church. You know, I'm not just saying, talking about sponsoring through compassion and whatever ways you show generosity. It impacts life. It models Jesus to that person. You represent the body of Christ to that person. And for that, I want to say thank you to you. Now, here's the second thing I want to tell you. It has been a privilege for me to be here today because this room is full of passionate young people. And the Bible talks about young people being the game changer. And this is what I want to challenge us here tonight. Let us not let our age and what stage of life we are at stop God using us to do what he wants to do in somebody else's life. So I want to extend an invitation. We have got here with us some children who are waiting to be sponsored, who are waiting to receive that opportunity. Families who are waiting to receive that opportunity. Now, for some of us, that $12 a week might be a lot. Maybe you can partner with another friend and sponsor a child. But the important thing is, if we all sacrifice a little bit of our luxury, we can all sponsor a child and we can all make a difference in someone's life. When I, was, um, when I came out of uh, university, poverty was very passionate for me. So I wanted to help everyone. Did you know that there are 400 million children in the world today living in extreme poverty? 400 million children. That number is hard to conceive. Let me give you a bit of analogy. Australia has 25 million people. So that is 16 times the population of Australia. That's the number of children living in some desperate situation. Now, I'm not talking about children who don't have uh, all-you-can-eat data. Um, it's not that issue. You know, that's our first world problem, whether I have unlimited data or I can go on two holidays a week or I live in a one-bedroom house. That's, that's our first world problem. 
These are children who don't have the option whether they want rice or pasta for dinner. They don't even have that option. They don't have a bed to sleep on. They don't have the basic needs. You put the tap on, there is no, there is no tap. Basic means of survival, food, shelter, and clothing. So this is what I want to say, and this is how I want to finish. Um, I wanted to change the whole world, and very quickly I realized I cannot. I cannot help all 400 million children. And then God told me that I was fighting the wrong battle. He, he told me from the parable of the lost sheep that for God each life matters, that my life mattered, that for Tom and Liz, my sponsor, my life mattered. They didn't think that I can't change the whole world, so I'm not going to help anyone. They thought maybe I cannot change the whole world, but I can change the whole world for this child. And I'm grateful that they thought of, thought of that. So here's my challenge. We may not be able to change the whole world, but tonight we can all change the whole world for one child. My challenge is how much are we going to trust God and take that step of faith? Because it is a step of faith to sacrifice from our daily life to provide someone's necessity. Sponsor a child to bring them hope for eternity. I'm going to invite the band to come on stage. And I want to do a short prayer for this church before I finish. Um, when I was, I was here, I, I was reminded by this passage in Ephesians uh, chapter 3. Uh, and I know a lot of people, uh, I believe all of us here have been impacted by what we have heard about poverty. And it has broken our heart. And sometimes we can feel a bit overwhelmed. And that's okay. But the good news is there is something we can do. There is something that we can all do. Sponsorship is something that you, a lot of you might be taking that step to do tonight. But it is a step of faith. So I want to, do this, I want to pray this prayer over us as we, ta- as we take that step of faith to trust God to provide as we partner with him to realize his plans and purposes in the lives of those children out on the table. So this is from Ephesians chapter 3. I want to pray that out of his glorious riches, that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know that his love that surpasses all knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God and want to now uh, to him who is able to do immeasurably more only him who can do immeasurably more than we can all ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us to him be the glory and the church the children who are waiting please feel free to go pick up a profile have a read this represent an individual life it's not just a piece of paper you can read about where they come from you can read about their life this is little Narong from Thailand he is three years old now if you want to sponsor that child don't pick up that profile and go home as I said they are individual profile and I don't want you to kidnap children so Pick up the profile, speak to one of us, we'll help you to fill up a form, and it'll be all set. Let's bring Jesus where there is darkness, because He is the light that has overcome darkness. Thank you for having me here. Thank you for listening. I look forward to speaking to you. Church, 
the spirit is present here go all guns blazing you'll be a blessing to other nations and other communities thank you